0: Hallelujah, well, we're so thankful for the invitation to be here, and uh, I spoke to Pastor John yesterday. I wanted to do the finishing touches to my message, and we woke up with no water and no electricity. <laughs> uh, and I, I thought, you know, maybe we have reason to complain, then I thought, well, we don't have water, we don't have electricity, but we have oxygen, <laughs> at least. Amen. It's always something to be thankful for. Uh, We're living in interesting times. And 20 years ago, we had Steve Jobs, we had Johnny Cash, and we had Bob Hope. Today we have no jobs, no cash, and no hope. (laughs) And I cannot offer you a job today. I don't have cash to give you, but I can bring you hope. Amen. And that's what we need in these desperate times, in this pandemic. We need this amazing quality of hope. And hope is one of three very strong forces that should operate in the life of a believer. And here's what Paul says about that in 1 Corinthians thirteen thirteen. He says there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. So you need those three forces in your life and I'll quickly check whether you have them. If you have come here to get a good sermon from me, that means you have faith. If you are still listening to me halfway through my sermon, that means you have hope. And if you're still here at the end of my sermon, that means you have love. So you can check whether you have that. Now, uh, I wanna quote a man called G.K. Chesterton, he was an English philosopher, author, and also a scholar of the Bible, and he put it this way, he said, love means loving the unlovable. Faith means believing the unbelievable. And hope means hoping when everything seems hopeless. And that's what I want to focus on. I've heard so many sermons on love, and rightfully so, because it is the greatest of all. Also a lot of preaching, teaching on faith, because we need faith, we live by faith. But I often feel that hope is neglected in, in preaching, and that's what we desperately need now. So I'm going to share a few thoughts on hope, and I hope that it will give you a better understanding of hope. The, the title of my sermon is The Rope of Hope. And there's a key verse about hope in the Bible in Hebrews 6, verses 18 and 19. And listen what the author says. He says, Hold on to the hope we have been given. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, sure and strong. I'm going to come back to that scripture later on. But it's interesting here that the Bible likens hope to an anchor. And and we all know that an anchor is useless without a rope connected to it. So, I want to show you how to make that connection with hope. I'm going to liken the whole process uh, with making a rope, but I want to put a, a spiritual spin on it, pun intended because you do spin things when you make a rope. Uh, I, I had to look this up because I, I'm not really an outdoors person, I used to be in my younger days. Uh, today, for me to rough it is to go and stay in a hotel where they have a limited bouquet of DSTV. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I had to actually go and look up how you make a rope, a, a twisted rope, and uh, it, it says there are three steps. First, you gather fibers. And then you spin those fibers into yarns, and then you form several yarns into strands by twisting them. And then lastly, you twist the strands together to to make a rope. Now, I'm talking about twisting. Don't go and twist my words. Maybe I should rather use the word braiding. So, in, in, in braiding a rope, I'm going to give you scriptural fibers and yarns and strands and Those things need to be be braided together. And that braiding, and incidentally, every time they uh, um, repeat the process, they do it in another direction because it gives the rope tensile strength, which means it can handle tension. It can also stretch. That's what we need now. We need to be able to handle tension, and we need to be stretchable. So... Uh, I'm going to give you the first strand in building this rope of hope, and here it is. Define what hope is. The first strand is to understand what hope is. These are basic questions, but I I think we need to consider them. What is hope? Hope has to do with the unseen and the future. And I think all of us have an idea what hope is. If you want to know more, consult a dictionary. I have found that even what you find in a dictionary sometimes is the world's idea and those concepts do not always line up with the biblical meaning. So, I, let's get some wrong concepts of hope out of our thinking. First wrong concept, hope is not wishful thinking. You know, you can have a whimsical wish based on an assumption but it has no foundation. That's not true hope. True hope, I'll show you, has a very strong foundation. And, and Wishful thinking makes me think of uh, this incident that happened in uh, a church that I grew up in many years ago. There was, um, at that time, a kind of a lottery like we have the lotto today called the Rhodesian Sweep. Some of you old enough might remember the Rhodesian Sweep. And very interesting, the tradition in this church was on a Sunday the pastor would ask, is there anybody here with an unspoken request? And then people would put their their hands up and uh, the pastor would pray over it. I know sometimes you don't want to tell everybody everything, but for me sometimes an unspoken request deserves an unspoken answer. (laughs) In any case, there was this uh, lady in the church had a hand up every Sunday and one Sunday, the pastor took the courage and he, he thought he's going to ask her. And in the service, he said, Sister, just tell us, why do you raise your hand every Sunday? What is your unspoken request? And she said, Pastor, it's that I would win the Rhodesian sweep. <laughs> and he was taken a bit aback by her response, but uh, he responded in, in, in saying, Do you have a ticket? And she said, Pastor, no, but nothing is impossible with the law. So that's wishful thinking. And, you, you know, without a ticket, her chances were none. But even if you have a ticket, your chances improve slightly. Your chances are slim and none. And, <laughs> and you know, I, I know the, the old payoff line for Lotto was my Chance. I also... Always thought it was more, ta-ta, my money. <laughs> because people, even when they uh, buy a ticket, they don't expect to win anything. They hope they might win. That's not true hope. Second wrong idea is that hope is not a daydream. Because true hope is not a delusion, a daydream about the future. It's not an airy Fairy flight of fantasy or fancy to an air castle in some fantasy fool's paradise of Lala La land, where you sigh for a pie in the sky one day by and by. You need to go listen to that one again. <laughs> in any, any case, worldly hope is sometimes worse than a daydream. It's a pipe dream. And a pipe dream means something unattainable, a fanciful aspiration. And, incidentally, the term pipe dream actually originated from the experience of smoking an opium pipe. And when you've been smoking that pipe, you have high hopes. (laughs) The third wrong concept is that hope is not hype, because hype is an exaggerated attempt to make something seem better or more exciting than what it really is. I'll show you again. True hope is based on the reality of the Word of God. And then a last wrong idea that people have, hope is not passive waiting. And I don't want you to misunderstand me. Hope involves waiting, but it's more a-waiting because you need to await something good. You need to anticipate change. You need to expect a solution in the situation. It's not being passive or inactive. Like faith, it should be accompanied with corresponding actions. That's what hope is about. So it's not just suffering in silence or passively accepting everything with a grin and bear it attitude, but it's actually planning, seeking, uh, change in, in the situation. And that kind of right waiting will uh, have the ingredients for change and for growth. I like what David said when he was in a crisis in Psalm 25, because it's, it's amazing how he was a man of hope. He says this to the Lord in, in verse 5, uh, according to the Amplified. He says, for you, you only and all together, Do I wait expectantly all the day long? And then in verse 20, he says, my trust and my refuge are in you. In verse 21, he says, I wait for and expect you. That is what hope is about. So if I can give you a simple definition of biblical hope, it's this, a favorable and confident expectation from the Lord and assured trust in the Lord of good things based on the secure certainty of his promises. Hallelujah. And I was actually surprised when I consulted the dictionary that some of them state that the meanings of confidence and trust attached to hope are actually archaic. (laughs) That's what it's about. It's about trusting God. In the New Testament, The word translated as hope, the Greek word, is the word elpis. And you know, I think for many people, this saying is true. Elpis has left the building. (laughs) Because hope has departed from their heart. And that Greek word comes from the verb uh, that means to anticipate what is good, usually with joy and delight. To look forward with confidence to that which is good and beneficial. To assuredly expect, to welcome, to hope. And that is what hope is about. Now, for the time that we're living in, I have a good acronym for hope. H-O-P-E. Have only positive expectation. Amen. And this one is even closer to home. Hold on. Pandemic ends. Amen. It's better to have hope in your heart than to have fear. And and, and let me give you uh, some acronyms for fear, F-E-A-R. Here's what the devil presents to you, false evidence appearing real. And I'm going to say a little bit more about conspiracy theories a little bit later. But that's, it's quite often false evidence appearing real. And... Um, And if you've given in to what the devil told you, then this acronym is true. Forget everything and run. (laughs) Now, thank God we can have real hope. We can have true hope. Let me move on. There's a second twine that you can uh, put into this rope. When you have defined what real hope is, number two, discern when hope is needed. When do we need hope? Well, all the time, but especially in hopeless situations. And I, I said to you that hope has to do with what is unseen, with what is still to come. And this could be the immediate future, it could be the distant future, or it could even be eternity. And I want to say this very clearly, I'm going to focus on hope in this life, but we must realize our ultimate hope is for eternity. I had a conversation with a friend uh, at the beginning of lockdown last year, and, and he was really in a, in a bad state. So I said this to him, I said, what is the worst thing that could happen to you concerning COVID? And he was silent, so I said, okay, I'll tell you what, you could go to heaven. <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I just said, that's the worst. Because our hope is in eternity. In uh, 1 Corinthians 15, the resurrection chapter, Paul says this in verse 19, if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Wow. And then in uh, his writing to Titus, he speaks about the hope of eternal life in, in the first chapter, and he calls it our blessed hope. In chapter two, verse 13, he says, we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter speaks about the same thing, and he calls it a living hope. In 1 Peter 3, uh, one, verse three, he says, in God's great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope, because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And then he says, now we have hope for the blessings God has for his children. These blessings, which cannot be destroyed or be spoiled or lose their beauty, are kept in heaven for you. Wow, what a beautiful eternal hope. But let me talk about our current realities that we're facing uh, on this earth. Because the whole world is in crisis right now and many people are without hope. And I said that hope is about the future, but hope is also about now. And let me just show you briefly how hope can make your present everyday life better. And I wanna use something that comes out of World War II. There was a man who was a Holocaust survivor. His name was Viktor Frankl. And uh, Viktor Frankl was into humanistic psychology and obviously I don't agree with that, but I can learn something from what he said. And here's what he observed. He said that the prisoners who survived the longest in the Nazi concentration camps were not necessarily the most physically fit people. But the ones who survived were the ones who maintained a sense of hope. And he said that, Um, It helped them to handle their adverse circumstances and he believed that people could find hope even in the gloomiest of situations and locations if their life had meaning and purpose. Now, I want to say this. How much more is that true for us as Christians? Because Jesus came to give your life purpose and meaning and you should have much hope. Amen. And even if the pandemic drags on, I I, I Actually, when I read about Viktor Frankl, I realized this. World War II lasted for six years. We're not even two years into the thing yet. So we should keep our hope. Uh, We should have that hope springing from the meaning that Jesus has given to our lives. And this week I posted on social media um, just something simple, the key. To coping is not moping, but hoping. (laughs) And we need to to maintain our joy. And I know there are many people in hopeless valleys today. I love the scripture because this came up during our lockdown time, and I held on to it, where God spoke to Israel in Hosea uh, 2 and verse 15. And he said these words to them, I will transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. Wow. How beautiful is that? So if you're in that hopeless valley, I have some advice for you. Don't delete dally in the chilly valley. Because God can take your dead-end alley and turn it into a miracle rally. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Maintain that hope even in tough times. Let me move on. Here's the the third chord for that rope of hope. Now, I I just need to warn you, I'm not concluding yet, so don't get your hopes up. Okay? But (laughs) we need to, thirdly, determine the source of hope. Where does hope come from? Where do we get it? Now, in the last century, there was a well-known French philosopher, and he was a proponent of what is called absurdism. Now, absurdism is a theory about the so-called absurd conflict between the inclination to look for meaning in life and the inability to find any value in a seemingly purposeless world. That's absurdism. It is absurd. And I won't mention his name uh, to protect the guilty and to prevent from giving him too much notoriety. But here's what he said. And I don't agree with this statement, and I'll tell you why. He said, where there is no hope, it is incumbent on us to invent it. I cannot agree because God already invented hope. He's the inventor. He's the source of hope. And here's the message of the Bible. He's called the God of hope because hope comes from him, not from our invention or fabrication. And here's a beautiful verse in Romans 15 and verse 13. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. He says, May God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in Him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with His superabundance until you radiate with hope. Wow. That's where hope comes from. God is the source of hope. And in the preceding verse, Paul says it's not just God the Father, not just God the Holy Spirit, but God the Son involved in giving us hope. In Romans fifteen twelve, he quotes a, a prophecy from Isaiah, and he says that an heir to David's throne, that's Jesus the Messiah, will emerge, and he will rise up as ruler over all the non-Jewish nations, and all their hopes will be met in him. Jesus gives the nations hope. He's called our hope. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 1, the Lord Jesus, our hope. Colossians 1:27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So if you don't have Jesus in your life, you are hopeless. And someone put it this way, life with Christ is an endless hope. Life without Christ is a hopeless end. And that's why Paul writes to Gentile believers in the book of of Ephesus and in uh, chapter 2, or the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, Verses 12 and 13, he he speaks about their former state. He says, in those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded uh, from citizenship among the people of Israel. You did not know the covenant promises God made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. And then he says, but now you've been united with Christ Jesus. So here's what he's saying. God is the source of hope. And I want to put it this way, and this is actually you need to see visually. No God, N O, no God, no know God, know hope. But no God, K N O W, and you will know hope. Because God is the source of hope. I want to say to you don't place your hope in your own abilities, don't put such a burden on your partner. Don't put your hope in your job, your bank balance, your, your doctor, medical science, political leaders, even spiritual leaders, anything or anybody else, but because all those things and those people can fail, but put your hope in God who can never fail. fail. Amen. So, here's the source of hope. Uh, I, I know during lockdown there have been times where I felt like a prisoner. In my own house. I felt like I was under house arrest. (laughs) But at least I was in my own home. And I only felt like a prisoner. When I read in the Bible, there was a time when Israel was in a worse situation. They didn't just feel like prisoners. They were actually taken captive and they were exiled in a strange country. But this is the time where God gave them hope and they kept going. Now, I want to read a scripture which I'm sure you would be familiar with. It's it's the scripture that that God spoke to Israel at this time. It's a promise we often claim for ourselves, and, and it's not wrong to do that. But if you understand the backdrop to the scripture, when you quote it again, you'll see it in a different way because the king of Israel and some key leaders were taken captive and were exiles with many people of Israel in Babylon. And in these circumstances, the prophet Jeremiah speaks God's word to them and he says this, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. Hallelujah. We can claim that promise for ourselves. There is a hope and a future for us. Seventy years later, when Israel's exile ended, the rebuilding of Jerusalem and the temple began, and God speaks through another prophet, Zechariah, and He gives them a prophecy, and, and it's interesting, you can go and, and, and see how it's quoted in the New Testament when Jesus made His modest but triumphant entry into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. Uh, and, and Immediately after that, Zechariah follows with these words from God. Zechariah 9, 11 and 12. Here's what God says. Because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. Let me read it to you from the message paraphrase because this is something you can claim. He says, I'll release your prisoners from their hopeless cells. Come home, hopeful prisoners. This very day, I'm declaring a double bonus. Everything you lost returned twice over. Can I encourage you, if you lost anything in lockdown, claim this bonus twice over. God is going to restore it. Amen. So hope does not arise from your desire or your wishes, but it's from God. He's the, the hope of the believer. And that's why David said, my hope is in you. But if he's the source of hope, how do I get hope from God? Through his word. That's how simple it is. We sang a song that said, just one word can make the difference. So hope comes from God's word. That's why I'm not apologizing for using many scriptures in my sermon because at least that's the part that you can believe. And that can give you hope. Now listen to the psalmist and maybe this is David again uh, speaking in, in, in Psalm 130 and verse five and he says this to God. He says, this is why I wait upon you, expecting your breakthrough, for your word brings me hope. Wow, that's clearly stated. And in the New Testament, we read in Romans 15 earlier where where we saw in, in verses 12 and 13 that hope comes from God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And in the same chapter earlier in verse 4, uh, Paul writes this. He says, whatever was written in former days, that's the Old Testament, was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Hallelujah. So we know that the Bible says faith comes by hearing. So does hope. Hearing the word. And if you are feeling hopeless, it's because you are wordless. (laughs) Get the word inside of you and hope will arise. Let me give you the final strand in this rope of hope. Discover how hope works. How does hope operate in our lives? Let me just be very practical about this. We saw that hope comes through the Word of God. So, here's what I want to say to you. Don't neglect church. Don't neglect home cell, home group. Don't neglect your personal devotions. Don't neglect your time with the Bible, because that is where hope will arise. So, you can, during this time, you can lock down or you can open up to the Word. Amen. And allow hope to come in. And you know, Cora and I actually made a decision at the beginning of lockdown last year to switch our television off. Even, and especially the news, <laughs> we didn't watch that because we, we knew that we will hear it in, in any case. And somebody might say, well, you like an ostrich with your head in the sand. No, I'm like an eagle with my future in his hand. And my eyes on him. So, we avoided the news and let me say this. We took really time to make sure that we avoid fake news. We avoided fake news. We avoided all these conspiracy theories because even if there's an element of truth in those theories, it still doesn't help you. You need to keep your eyes on the Lord. Amen. And so I want to say to you, even right now, be careful how much time you spend on social media. Say amen, say aina, say aish, say something. (laughs) Because it's true. Those things will not build you up. Don't have the FOMO syndrome, and the young people will be familiar with this, fear of missing out syndrome. You will really miss out if you don't spend time with the Word, make time for the Word, and allow His Word to change and shape your thoughts. I want to come back to that scripture that I mentioned earlier, where we read about this anchor of hope in the book of Hebrews. And I want us to to focus on that anchor because I I wish I had more time to to take you through um, the book of Hebrews on on a journey and just see how often the author uses maritime metaphors or nautical narratives to to try and explain the truth to us. And um, if if I can just take you through some of the seafaring symbols, uh, I hope this will help those who are all at sea and did not fathom the meaning of these metaphors before. Interesting that a lot of these metaphors involve ropes. In Hebrews 10.38, the author describes someone who shrinks back from faith in fear, and that phrase, shrinks back in the Greek, is the same term that seafarers would apply when lowering or furling a sail. And you know, if you don't have a sail, you don't have the power of the wind. You won't get anywhere if you withdraw from faith. In Hebrews 4.16, we read about the help that we can receive from the throne of grace. A very interesting Greek word there. It's only used one other time in the Bible in Acts 27 and verse 17. And there it's translated as helps or supports. And the situation there was Paul was on a ship. And it was caught in a storm, and it was about to sink. And what they did is they used helps, and that means they passed ropes under the hull of the ship and then tied them together, preventing that ship from falling apart. The, the modern term is called frapping, if you just think of wrapping. Because here's what happens. When your life is about to fall apart, you have help and support from the Lord. He sends those ropes and he will tie your life together and prevent you from going down. Hallelujah. That's what he will do. And when you are buffeted with so many difficulties and you need help in the storm, God wraps you with powerful cords of love and you can say, my help comes from the Lord. My hope comes from the Lord. Interesting, in uh, chapter 13, and verse six of the book of Hebrews, the author uses a similar word. He says, the Lord is my helper. And that is such a beautiful word because it, it literally comes from uh, two words. It's a compound word. The first part of the word speaks about a cry. And the second part of, of the word speaks about running. And here's what the word literally means. When I am in need of help, I cry and God runs towards me. Hallelujah. In Hebrews 2 verse 1, the author speaks about the danger of drifting away like a ship on on the ocean. And, and, And he basically says this, don't drift away from the word that you heard. And again, he uses uh, that analogy. But the scripture that I want to get to is this one in Hebrews 6, 18 and 19 that I read earlier, because it speaks of hope. And I know here it speaks of eternal hope, but it could apply to our hope here on earth too. He says, hold on to the hope we have been given. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, sure and strong. Now, I'm sure you've heard these words because I've heard especially political uh, leaders uh, using these terms. They say, we are sailing through uncharted waters. We've never been through this before. We are facing a storm that we're unfamiliar with. Those things are true, but here's another truth for the Christian. We have an anchor. An anchor that will hold. And the interesting thing is, once you've lowered the anchor, you don't see the anchor, but you can feel its effect. <laughs> you only see the rope. And that's why I felt it's important for us to hold on to the rope of hope. Cora and I have been privileged to minister in Italy uh, for a number of years. And We normally don't have much time for sightseeing, but this one year, our host took us to the catacombs on the outskirts of Rome. And uh, these were places where where people were buried in in tunnels under the earth. And that is where persecuted Christians had to hide. And what is so interesting, on the walls of those catacombs, there are many engravings with Christian symbols, the fish, which speaks of of Christianity, uh, the cross, and especially the anchor. And you know what is so interesting is that here in the place of darkness and death and distress, there was this symbol of hope eternal. And that's what the Bible says. You have this hope as an anchor for the soul. And, and I think that is quite significant because what is your soul? Your soul is the control room of your mind, your thoughts, your, your will, your intellect. And, and uh, you know, hope can cause you to think differently in your soul. And it's at this time that people have these wild, confused thoughts and, and emotions that are uh, running roller coaster with them. But hope will stabilize your soul, your mind. And years ago, we used to sing this song, and it was composed in in the late uh, 1800s. And it says something like this We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Hallelujah. We have an anchor. So hear God's word of hope. Start thinking thoughts of hope. Speak words of hope and of faith over your future, your family, your finances. Speak words of hope over your health. And act like somebody who has hope. And keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Let's stand. I wanna pray a prayer for you. And then I wanna pray a prayer for anybody here or watching out there who might feel you don't have Jesus and you're without hope in this world. And I want you to, to receive because I'm not the one bringing hope, I'm the one bringing the Word and the Word actually causes hope to arise. So, Father, we thank you right now for the powerful word. And we thank you that we can wait on your word because it gives us hope. And I thank you that hope will arise in people's hearts today, even when they feel they are in hopeless situations. And I thank you that whenever they want to lose hope, they'll go back to the source of hope, getting it from you through your word. And Lord, if somebody has felt like they're in a hopeless situation, thank you for turning that around to your glory. I know, and I've said this many times about this pandemic, you're going to turn this around for your glory and for our good. I believe that with all my heart. And Father, I thank you if there's anybody that may feel that they are not in a relationship with Jesus, I thank you that they can pray this prayer right now and say, Jesus, come into my life. You are the source of hope. You are the source of eternal salvation. I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth that you died in my place so that I can receive the gift of eternal life. By grace, through faith, I receive it and I'm now a child of God. I'm going to live a hopeful life here on earth And I have this blessed hope, this living hope for eternity. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.